I'm Esther Armar. Welcome. You're listening to The Spin. It is that time for an hour where smart is sexy. The Spin, our weekly all-women of color media panel. I'm coming to you live from Star FM Studios in Accra, Ghana. Our contributors are on the line via NPR Washington, D.C., We are on air internationally across the United States, here in Ghana and in London. This program is brought to you by the African-American Public Radio Consortium. Today on The Spin, global black women talk tech. In part one, celebration and elevation from Accra to New York. Black women-led tech companies, black women in tech companies are on the rise and rise. We talk blessings, breakthroughs, and big ups. In part two, challenge, frustration, the all-white boys club, and race. The barriers and the burdens for black women in tech. All of that, coming up. Our contributors this week are Ethel Kofi and Samara Lin. Ethel Kofi joins us from Accra, Ghana. Ethel is CEO of Edel Technology Consulting. Her company won the IT Consulting Firm of the Year at the Ghana Telecom and IT Awards. CEO Global named Ethel Africa's most influential woman in business and government for the ICT category in 2016. Ethel is founder of Women in Tech Africa. It's Africa's largest women in tech group with members in over 30 countries and in the diaspora and growing. And Ethel has worked in Sierra Leone, Nigeria, the UK and Ghana. Samara Lin joins us from New York. Samara is technology editor at Black Enterprise, America's leading business magazine for African-Americans. Samara has nearly 20 years experience in information technology and was the IT director at a major New York City healthcare facility. She was a technology editor for the prestigious CRN Test Center, as well as a writer and analyst for PC Magazine, covering consumer and business tech. Welcome, welcome, ladies. Hello. Hi, thank you for inviting us. The world of global black women in tech is a story in two parts, celebration and challenge. We start with celebration. From Africa to America, breakthroughs, rising numbers of startups, more women in tech, black women being bold, showing up and showing out in this world. In America, there are groups and organizations and podcasts such as Blacks in Technology, Black Girls Code, Black Women Talk Tech. All of these are powerhouse initiatives. Forbes, the global business magazine, reported and participated in the history-making Black Women Talk Tech. The all-day event in February this year saw 40 black women working in the world of technology gather at Google New York to share their stories, articulate their specific and unique challenges, and with this mission, inspire black women to build the next billion-dollar tech company. 
It was organized by Regina Gwynn, founder of Tres Noir, Isosa Ighodaro, founder of Cosign, and Lauren Washington, founder of Keep Up. Then there are women like Kimberly Bryant, the founder of Black Girls Code in 2011. At a technology event, Inspire Fest 2015, she explained the importance of making a leap from technology consumers to technology creators for black girls and women, and why she started this initiative and what it aims to do. I like to think that they are bending the stereotype of what it means to be a coder and what impact coding could have on our world. We introduce them to technology with a goal of letting them understand the power of becoming both builders and creators and not just consumers of technology. Our goal is to become the Girl Scouts of technology and we want to introduce over one million girls to coding by the year 2040. Kimberly affectionately describes her vision of growing an army of what she calls tech divas. From America to Africa, a continent of 54 nations, still too often described as a country with dominant narratives about poverty and famine and helplessness and hopelessness and war. It is also a continent where African women in the world of tech are killing, or at the very least rising, in the technology game. According to CNN Africa, all across the continent, more and more girls are engaging the world of technology. Ethel Coffey concurs. In an interview with City TV, a Ghana TV station, she explained that there is change for students studying tech and the industry is expanding. The numbers have grown. So when I left school, I had maybe one African woman I can look up to and say, oh, she's in this field. Now there are so many mentors and women that people are looking at. We're not where we need to get to, but we've definitely improved. We've come far. There are more mentors that uh, students in university right now have, um, as opposed to um, a few years ago. Um, so that's a good thing. There are Pan-African Women Tech Meetups. There is the Badass Women in Tech Africa, founded, of course, by our guest today, Ethel Coffey. And it's now grown to be in 30 different countries worldwide. There are physical chapters in Ghana, Nigeria, London, and South Africa. So let's talk global black women in tech, celebrations and breakthroughs where black women are winning and how. Samara Lynn, let me start with you. When you think of global black women and tech in America, what is exciting? What is powerful about that for you? I cover the space every day. I mean, I, I eat, sleep, breathe tech, uh, especially what advancements black people are making in tech. And I think as far as women goes. What really excites me was a report that came out recently saying that black women are the fastest rising group of entrepreneurs. And I think what's really fantastic about that is the fact that so many of their business ventures are tech-oriented. So the interest is there, the hunger for getting into the technology space is there, and I think that's amazing. Ethel Coffey, for you in Ghana, but also moving around internationally, extraordinarily accomplished in this world, what is exciting for you? I think for any space that black women are beginning to take over and rise, I think it's always exciting just as a concept. I always come back to my story, which is that when I was studying for my degree in computer science, there were maybe four women in the room, and I think two of us graduated. And I don't remember seeing black women role models in the tech space that I could point to. And I love that now my little sister, who's just finished university, has at least a lot more women than I did. At least there are tens or hundreds of women that, who are of her skin color, of her gender, 
uh, that are doing amazing things in the tech space that she can point to and say, you know what? They can do it. And there's definitely a lot to learn from. So I'm excited by the fact that there are more women, especially black girls, that are looking at technology as a viable career option and planning for it. So that's exciting for me. So for you, Ethel, the desire to do tech, where did that come from? What was it within your story that led you down this particular path? So when I left uh, uh, high school or secondary school, depending on which side of the world you're from. I took the gap year where you wait to go to university. And my dad's an engineer, so I'd always planned to go and do some sort of engineering. But in that year, I spent a lot of that year, as most teenagers do, just sort of lazing around and not doing much. So my dad sent me off to computer classes. And one thing Alexa said that really resonated with who I was, he said, Computers are dumb, you're smart, and you can make it do whatever you want. And I think that one line, years later, is the thing that made tech exciting for me, that I'm creative and I can use technology as a means to create and build things that didn't exist before. And this has led down my journey to sort of building my own company and starting women in tech. So, yeah, that's my story. Samara, you mentioned the recent report that highlighted these huge numbers of black women who are kind of rising to the top as far as entrepreneurial startups, and that a number of those are in the world of technology. As you said, you eat and breathe this on a regular daily basis. What do you point to for the reasons for this rise and rise when it comes to Black women and technology and the entrepreneurial spirit, the startups? I think it's twofold. We know the statistics on diversity in Silicon Valley. They're abysmal. They're abysmal for Black people in general. They're abysmal even worse for Black women. And I think that black women just have this resilience where, you know, we don't wait to be invited at the table. We just take our initiative. And I think a lot of black women were savvy enough to see the opportunities in tech. And from the interviews I do, from the women I've come across, you know, they're not waiting to go work at a Google or Yahoo. They're saying, you know what, I have this business idea I need an app. I'm going to go out and find out how to build that. So I think it's just something inherent within the spirit of many of the women I've interviewed. And then I just think that really any business today is a tech business. So if you, let's say this business, the wonderful woman I interviewed, Courtney Caldwell, she has a wonderful app where, let's say a hairstylist who wants to go out on the road can really use this app to look for clients anywhere in the country. If she wants to work one day in Atlanta, if she sees there's work in Louisiana, it's this great crowdsourced app for beauticians. So really, that's not traditionally a tech business, but tech is at its core. So I think that accounts for the rise of so many black women tech entrepreneurs. And is there anybody in particular who you're excited by and you think, wow, against all odds, this actually happened. This tech company exists. This woman exists and she's out there kind of kicking butt and doing this work. Well, you you mentioned one that comes to mind. That's the Sosa with Cosign. I first saw Sosa present at an event hosted by Reverend Jesse Jackson. And really, I mean, my jaw dropped. She has this technology that it it seems so simple in theory, but it's so complex, and I can see it being so popular and just 
such a great revenue generator for people where with her technology, with her app, if you go into social media, and let's, you know, social media is just so widespread, if you see a picture of a friend and they have jewelry or earrings that you really like, you can click on the earrings with associate technology and you can, you know, purchase them and the person who posts it on social media gets some commission from that. So, I mean, I just thought it was a brilliant idea. And there are so many others, Jessica O'Matthews, what she's doing with her business, with the kinetic energy, using that to make all these alternative energy sources. There's just so many that come to mind. It's so incredible because as somebody, like I am not a tech person at all, I really think about technology as, as a tool that should always just make life easier enable me to do things that I couldn't otherwise do, enable me to access things that I couldn't otherwise access. So it's really quite extraordinary. I feel like I'm literally learning a new language, listening to you both articulate these ideas and the phraseology. It's kind of extraordinary, actually. So Ethel, for you, I mean, Africa, 54 countries, billions of people, and still this narrow frame. But what is exciting for you when you think about African women and the world of technology, what, what's exciting to you and what inspires you right now? I see quite a lot at international conferences and every time I turn up and I say, I live in Ghana, I'm African and I go software. <laughs> People look at me odd. That's just not something that they think we could be good at. In our network, there are a large number of women building amazing companies. You can talk of Tress Up. Tress Up is now the three ladies who started an app that was sort of black hair, natural hair, and just a social network around sort of black hair. Uh, an exchange of South and things like that. And they, from Ghana, they've made this type of startup is one of the most successful accelerators worldwide. We're beginning to make an impact. Uh, the women that I see, that especially around, so there's an interesting sort of move in the sort of gaming app for kids, for children, that area. I'm seeing, especially the women that are coming through to women in tech. I think I'm seeing quite a move there. Women that are building apps to entertain their own kids and turning that into businesses. So that's an amazing trend and I hope it continues because the app space, if the numbers in the, in the sort of software space are low, you can only imagine what the numbers are in sort of the gaming space. It's For us, I think there's the added layer of you live in Africa, how what could you possibly know about building a technology company or building tech that affects the world? But there's numerous things that we can point to that have been built out of Africa that are used worldwide. And part of our struggle, I think I expect for black women on the side building technology, but walking into the room and having to say, yes, I'm African, yes, I live in Africa, yes, I might not necessarily have everything that you have, but I still build tech that impacts the world. I love that sentence. I build stuff that impacts the world. So we're just going to close out this section of the conversation. Samara, you heard me both introduce and talk about Regina Gwynn of Tres Noir, Isosa Ikodaro of Hosine and Lauren Washington of Keep Up, who were kind of charged with this mission of inspiring black women to build the next billion dollar tech company. So when you think about that as a vision and a mission, what comes to mind for you? Can we do this? What does this look like? Well, I definitely think we can do it. There are, are, are a couple of black female founders, not many, but there are a handful who have already secured a couple of good significant amount of money in, in funding. I can't think of her name at the moment. There's this one, and she's going to be part of our tech conference. There's a CEO of Plum Perfect. She's one that your audience could look up. 
she's one of the few black female founders in Silicon Valley who uh, secured funding for over a million, I believe. So when I think of that, I think of so much potential. Even just the smallest app today could blow up into a unicorn tomorrow. And we see funding is really, again, paltry for people of color, especially women of color. But I think the tides are changing with that, especially as we see more black women getting into angel investing. When I think of that, I'm optimistic. And I think it's going to be twofold. And there are going to be the entrepreneurs. I think we're going to see more and more entrepreneurs. We're seeing the numbers rise of, of black young women getting into STEM education and STEM degrees. I also see, conversely, a lot more black women getting into the investing side. You know, we need both. We need black women who are investors and VCs and black women entrepreneurs. So when you say all these names, you say Yasosa and, you know, you say Regina, who I've also met and is a wonderful woman, it brings to mind hope for the future. Ethel, just talk a bit about the leap for you from working for someone in tech to make the decision to walk that entrepreneurial tightrope that has now been this extraordinary ride for you. The decision to do that and what your greatest lesson you've learned as a result of that leap. I think you're right when you say it's a a tightrope. I think part of it is I had worked, so I had moved to the UK, I had done my master's, and then I'd worked in sort of consulting and then tech and software development for a bit, and then I decided there was time to come home. And come home to Africa is always interesting because people always say to you, but why do you want to come home? You have an amazing job and you live outside of Africa. Why do you want to come home? Why would you, what would you do at home? I think my journey has just been, I think I was at a point in my career where I understood that I wanted more out of my career and I wanted space to grow. And I looked at the company I was in at the time, and I thought, well, okay. So I, you know, the, the sort of all the stereotypes of black women, the things that are going to turn up. Like, well, I've been told I'm too, I'm too aggressive. I've been told I speak up too much, and I, and I thought to myself, well, I'm not going to go anywhere in this company. I'm going to be, you know, I wanted to rise, and I thought I'm not going to go anywhere. And so I figured. At the time, I had started sort of contracting a little bit on the side, and I figured. If I'm going to achieve the things that I want to achieve, I want to build the kind of software that I want to build, I want to, and build the kind of environment and make the kind of impact that I wanted to, I needed to leave sort of the corporate world. And so that's what I did. I left the corporate world and, and made the decision that I was going to sort of stick it out. I mean, I think one of the biggest lessons for me has always been to keep going. So baby steps are still steps in any direction. And so I've learned, one, to keep going. Two, I think having to lead and manage sort of a a team is one of the – you quickly grow up. I mean, I think you can get away with it in the corporate environment because there are, you know, maybe structures in there. And so startups startups are different just by their nature. So just learning to lead in – unstructured environments and learning to lead when you don't have all the answers. I think it's always been an interesting part of my journey. And so just the closing question. I think about the idea of building this billion-dollar black women tech company, but I actually think about this kind of technology bridge between African-American women and African women and seeing a connectivity that would allow the kind of future that tech could create 
allow something very special to be built. And I wonder if that is an imagining that you engage in or indulge in. I'll start with you, Samara, and then I'll close with you, Ethel. Samara. Oh, definitely. There's just so much innovation. Every day I'm getting pitches from women building these incredible products and services. And just to go back to what the point was about making that transition to from being, you know, working for someone and then going on to build out your own thing, becoming an entrepreneur, almost all of these women that we interview, and especially the 11 black women who have secured over a million funding for their tech ventures, they all have one thing in common. They all have a STEM background. I mentioned Plum Perfect, the CEO of that company. She actually was a chemical engineer, and it's just listening to Ethel speak, she mentioned her engineering background. So that education is so fundamental for that foundation to create these entrepreneurs so they can go ahead and they can build these wonderful products and services that, you know, again, I think, I'm I'm very optimistic, I think technology is going to be very transformative for the economic situation of black people all around the world. Closing thought to you, Ethel Kofi. Just today, I, I was having a bit of a rant on Twitter about how every time there are sort of black women in tech, depending on the publication, and some publications do better than most, it's either a list of women in the U.S. or a list of women in Africa. And there's never sort of that definitive list of, sort of women, just black women, globally doing amazing things now. Now, your question on sort of bridging the gap, I think that there, and this is what I've tried to do a lot of ways with women in tech Africa uh, and trying to, get to, to do programs in the U.S., has been that we're, there, there's a lot of commonality in sort of just black women everywhere, and we're going to need to support each other and work with each other to grow and build this billion dollar company and we've got to start by getting to know each other and I I think you know there are lots of programs happening but I think there's a lot of isolation on what's happening in sort of US Europe side and Africa side and I think there's a lot of things that we can do that are common that bridge gaps that create you know huge billion dollar companies and I'm hoping that for us as women in tech Africa we can do more of that and the groups that are in the US and work more in hand hand with us on the continent uh, to make this happen. So the common thread, we hear it again and again, this has not been magic. These women did what Riri said. Work, 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 work. You see me, I be work, 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 work. You see me, do me, da, 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 da. It's all me better, work, 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 work. No matter how high the mountain, black women in tech, global black women in tech are willing to make that climb.
and their stories, their journeys inspire. As Samara said, they remind us no matter how hard their reality, they are optimistic, stay optimistic. No That was part one of Global Black Women Talk Tech from Accra in Ghana to New York in the United States. You're listening to The Spin, a one-hour weekly international all-women of color podcast. I'm your host, Esther Armar. Our contributors this week are Ethel Kofi in Accra and Samara Lynn in New York. The Spin is brought to you by the African American Public Radio Consortium. I'm live in Star FM Studios in Accra, Ghana. We are on air across the United States in Arizona, Ohio, North Carolina, New Jersey, Mississippi, Texas, South Carolina, New York, Georgia, and Iowa. We are on air in Ghana on Star FM 103.5 and in London on ABN UK Radio. And we're online. Subscribe to The Spin One on iTunes or follow us on SoundCloud. One hour, three black women, and we go global. They keep it fly. Global black women in tech honor the smart because smart is sexy. And their motto, let Curtis Mayfield tell it. Just move on toward your destination. Though you may find from time to time. And take the trip Though there may be 
for part two of Global Black Women Talk Tech. We said this is a story in two parts. Part one was celebration. Now we talk challenge. Frustration. Racism. The all-white boys club. And gender. Technology is a global multi-billion dollar industry. And in America, Forbes Business Magazine highlighted that black women are emerging as the new business owners. The 2016 American Express Open State of Women-Owned Businesses report found that women-owned businesses have grown five times faster than the national average since 2007, fueled primarily by Black and Hispanic women. In the world of technology, Kimberly Bryant highlights how the numbers have changed and they're going in the wrong direction when it comes to all women and are particularly dire when it comes to women of color. Take a listen. When I began my college career at the end of the 80s, There was a peak moment for women in computer science. Women received approximately 35% of bachelor's degrees in computer science in the U.S. Since that time, that number has plummeted. It's less than 18% now for all women. But for women of color, that number falls off a virtual cliff. 
African-American women in the U.S. only receive 3% of bachelor's degrees in computer science. Brian further highlights the gender divide, the educational issues, and the long-standing barriers. There is a serious gender divide in the technology space right now. And women and girls are being left behind or they're totally missing in both the classroom, in online spaces, and even in the workplace. Normally, when you think of a coder, the face that you think of and the the public thinks of that comes to mind is a white male geek. Women of color are not finding an entry point to get on the path to getting into the field of technology. Sexism and racism are global beasts. Ethel Kofi talks about the three different challenges that African women in tech face. Listen. The things that we do to ourselves and the things that are done to us, so things like sexism, things like people not believing you are capable because you're a woman, these are things that are done to us. And, and then there are things that we do to ourselves, which sometimes come from cultural uh, backgrounds, right? So how do women... Um, go into a room or go into a boardroom and own a boardroom. How do you go up the steps in your career and do it the right way? That was Ethel Coffey during an interview for Business Today on City FM TV. So let's talk barriers and burdens, the frustration, exclusion, racism, sexism, the all-white boys club, all of that which impedes and impacts global black women in tech reaching further and faster. So Ethel Kofi, let me start with you. You spoke specifically about the challenges, the things that are done to us and the things that we do to ourselves. Can you break that down for me and what do you mean? So we'll start with things that are done to us and you, you, you sort of mentioned them, right? So it's the, the boys club, the, you know, the spaces that we cannot get into, your inability to culture and other things that make people think that you're unable to deliver or do a good job. And then the things that we, and I've learned through this on my journey, that there's, I'll tell a one, just one short specific story. So uh, a couple of years ago, I thought I was doing amazing with my company and, and I think things were going well. And I had a conversation with someone in my family who said, you know, you're celebrated for every little thing you do. And I know you could be so much better than this. So you're coasting because everyone's telling you you're great. I sat down and I thought about it and I thought I had for a long time internalized a number of things and I thought, okay, so I've done well for a woman, <laughs> you know, I've done well for a woman. I've learned, I, I'm, I believe I'm confident. And so the things that were pushing myself to the next level, I didn't do for a long time because I looked around and I thought, for a woman, I'm doing well. And that's what I meant by sort of the, the, the things that I've done so much, it's a very external sort of sexes and things, and, and the things that internally, and if, if internally that we do to ourselves, which is not pushing and enabling our ambitions to come up. So yes, that's, that's what I meant. You said that you had internalized a lot of things. Can you expand on that? What had you internalized and how had that internalization manifest itself? My mother has two girls and I grew up knowing that my mother in a lot of ways looked was a disappointment to external family because she had no boy. Now, what does that tell a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, a ten-year-old when she's hearing constantly from everybody around her mother is a disappointment because the mother doesn't have a male child? That tells that there's a lot of internalizing the fact that you 
are maybe not as good as a boy. You're not as good as a man. And you can imagine that for years, right? And I'm not the only person who's suffered this or gone through this. I think that a lot of black women, and even as I grow up, especially sort of African women, even as I grow up, in conversations of, your woman, don't speak up. Now, you can imagine how many years that takes to unlearn the behavior. You might be confident, you might be strong, you might speak up. But there are things that you internalize from how you are thought of and treated because you are female that you have to come to a place where you all learn to enable you to push and move and be ambitious. Your voice as an African woman or as a Ghanaian woman in my space, part of it was that even though I had parents that encouraged me to have a voice and speak up, when I stepped out of the bubble of my home, I was not meant to talk to boys a certain way. I was not meant to raise my voice a certain way. I was meant to be respectful in a certain way. And that takes quite a bit to unlearn, especially if you're going to go out there and kick out and be bad at and live out your life. The things that we internalize from just from years of culture, TV, as women, becomes a burden in later life and needs to be unlearned. That's so powerful because it adds the additional element of culture within a specifically African context and the way in which our gender politics manifest within an African context. Of course, when we get to America, we talk about much more specific sexism and racism within a nation whose foundations are those things. And it's powerful to hear the ways culture shape the silencing of brilliance within a girl child and then add to the already existing barriers of global sexism in the world. And so the unlearning you talk about, Ethel, the need to unlearn the silence in order to speak up and not wait for the invitation, which I think is a particular thing that I see within an African context, waiting for permission, waiting for an invitation before you step into the space or step up in the space or speak out in the space. And that if permission or an invitation is not given, then your modus operandi is silence. And that the journey to overcoming the teaching that shapes you as a, as a woman, that an invitation is what you require and the invitation has to come from a man before you can actually speak up is a particularly powerful thing that I don't know is always appreciated globally as it relates specifically within an African cultural context. And so it's important as you kind of break those areas and issues down for us to better engage and understand that, that that unlearning is its own particular journey. So that even as there is celebration, it comes with the understanding of the silencing that has had to have been overcome in order for any of this to happen. And let's cross over to the pond. Samaralyn, your thoughts. Here in the States, the conversation about diversity in tech is really wide open. Uh, it's out there. You know, everyone's talking about it. Everyone's writing about it. And a lot of times, the way a lot of black women feel, they still feel ignored because a lot of times when Silicon Valley talks about diversity in tech, they're talking about women, but they're mostly talking about white women. And they feel that, okay, we made gains because we have this percentage of white women now working at our, our company. Well, you know what? That's still not quite there for diversity. And a lot of black women feel left out of the conversation. So while... We have women speaking up and, you know, giving voice to their frustrations over here. 
it's still predominantly a focus on getting more white women in tech and leaving a lot of black women out of that, that, that call for diversity. And one of the things that concerns me with the diversity conversation is how much of it becomes rhetoric rather than reality. So that the mere fact that the Silicon Valley articulates a commitment to diversity then gets interpreted as they are actually doing diversity, as opposed to looking at those places and those spaces where it really, really is. You look around and all you see is each other. In other words, all white men are seeing other white men with maybe the odd white woman and almost the non-existent African-American woman and Hispanic woman, then Native American woman. And Kimberly Bryant in the clip we played speaks specifically about all the statistics going in the wrong direction when it comes to the numbers. So on the one hand, you have this extraordinary figure from this 2016 report from Forbes that shows this kind of catapulting in one direction in terms of entrepreneurial startup. But on the other hand, you have fewer and fewer numbers on an educational front and the slowness of a Silicon Valley to really move the needle and do the work. And I think one of the things that always frustrates me around sexism and racism is the false notion of competence, which is really racism masquerading as something else, given how competitive and how challenging this entire world is. So, Ethel, I wonder for you, as you've navigated moving in different parts of the world, what have been the particular challenges or frustrations? What are the things that you've heard that have made you want to go, ah, scream and <laughs> slap someone? <laughs> but not really. It's <laughs> <laughs> a quick example from not very long ago. They didn't understand how they said it, but it was a conversation about board members. And they were looking for people to be on their board. And I had I sort of said, oh, you know, you could ask this person and ask this person. And somebody then mentioned to this individual that, you know, maybe Ethel, you know, Ethel would be great for your board. And they made a comment, and I don't think it clocked in their head. They said, well, you must be able to drink brandy and smoke cigars, and that's, that's a requirement to be on this board. And I left it at that, and it clicked in my head how much these kind of conversations exclude so many women, because that simple thing of, oh, in order for them to connect and for the board to work, they must be somebody that likes to drink whiskey and then and, 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 and smoke cigars. And I thought, what, what does it have to do with, you know, being a board member that helps you bring the ambitions of this company to fruition. But that's, that kind of statement excludes, right? And I'm not saying that the women that drink whiskey or, or take brandy, but do you know what I mean? That there, there's a large number of women that are going to be excluded out of that conversation just because of that, oh, we must all connect. And that happens all the time. Now, part of why I created Women in Tech Africa was that I said, if the boys are going to create the boys club where they, you know, they pass each other business, the golf club, they go out drinking and create the partnership. And this is where VCs meet with, with startups and angels meet with startups. And if they create these specific spaces for which they exclude us, then I, do, I also want to create a space uh, for which women can come in and partner, share, pass each other business past each other, you know, connections and partnerships. Why not? Which is one of the driving factors of creating women in tech. Africa is creating that sort of network of women that would help each other grow. 
It's happening all around. I mean, I, I, there, there are spaces that I understand that I will not be allowed into because they're, you know, they're, they're sort of the, there's the gender bias, but there's also the age bias, right? So there, there's specific sort of gender and age biases which mean that I, I, I'm not allowed into spaces or I'm not welcome into certain spaces. And I've come to understand that there are fights that I'll fight. And there's spaces that I will go and create my own network and I'm going to create my own spaces. For instance, in, in Ghana, I have something I do quarterly. I try and do quarterly, which is a Kelewele wine. Kelewele fried plantain. But for people that don't know plantain, it's sort of like banana. How do you think I can explain it? But it's, it's a conversation of women, what I would call high-velocity women, right? So women in C-level, entrepreneurs who are doing amazing things, and we meet up. And it's a highly curated event, and we meet up, and we network with partners, and we share. I just got tired of trying to get into spaces that I could not get into. And I started creating space for us to network and grow. What she just gave the example of that board behavior of trying to get on the board is such a great example of how people, how to still exclude women. And, you know, first of all, lack of diversity on board, in the boardroom is something we cover quite extensively at Black Enterprise. But to highlight Ethel's point, look at what's happening with Uber. I mean, they set up a culture that was so hostile to women, so hostile to people of color, until now the CEO just today was forced to resign from the, the most powerful shareholders. That's the exact type of those cultural issues, that boys' club, that white boys' club, that is really a, a, a big fundamental of what's keeping Silicon Valley so homogenous. And so... To what extent is the diversity rhetoric really just rhetoric? Ethel spoke specifically about she knows there are places that she simply cannot enter. Gender bias, race bias, age bias. And yet, even as I was researching this, doing this conversation, doing this show, that word diversity in technology is like a buzzword. It is everywhere. The words are everywhere. Where is the action? There's not a lot of action. I mean, I think, I think we, can, we can plainly see that every time these companies release their diversity reports, year after year, you don't see any movement on the needle as far as diversifying their companies. That said, there are some companies specifically that are really walking the walk. And I would say Google is one big one. I mean, they just donate millions and millions to a bunch of causes, especially as far as educating educating young women of color. They have this Made with Code program. They work a lot with Kim Bryant. Their Intel has launched a $300 million initiative throughout the last couple of years. So there are some companies that are taking action, but they're few and far in between. And yes, it, it, it really is important that you know we don't let this diversity in tech just become a trendy buzzword, but really stay after these companies and really take them to task. And I know the Reverend Jesse Jackson has been great at doing that, and we have really been doing that, stepping up to that with our tech summit every year in Silicon Valley, Tech uh, Connect Summit. As we close, I would say, you know, sexism and racism, they are global beasts. Silicon Valley has kind of the, the, the cauldron of sexism, racism, toxic masculinity. I mean, it is literally, it has literally got all of those things moving in its favor and against that of global black women trying to enter that world. And yet these numbers demonstrate the willingness to do the kind of work to make change, to make shift. As we close, Ethel Kofi, sexism, racism, or culture. Talk about just how damaging they are 
and what they prevent African women from doing that could potentially transform nations? It keeps getting said. It sounds like a cliche, but if you leave half the team, if you go on the field and you leave half the team on the bench, well, you know, you're not going to do well, are you? I think that there are a large number of economies in Africa that have shown that they've done well by having a great women representation in government and in business. Rwanda is an amazing example of over 50% of the parliament being women and just have really having a country that is aware of growth and, and gender. And you can see Rwanda as a country that has come from, you know, a war-torn country that has a GDP that is higher and an economy that's doing so much better than a lot of countries, right? And then you go and look at other countries that do not, that have not prioritized gender and women and women's growth, and you, you, you see the opposite. And I think we have plain examples in just how that affects economy globally. And I think there was a report, I can't remember the numbers, but it was just how much more billions of dollars would be added to the global economy if women were allowed to achieve their potential. Where effectively we're damaging countries, we're damaging families, we're damaging the global economy by, by closing women out of spaces that they could do amazing things in. And that's just it. We're doing ourselves damage. If we don't facilitate and enable women to grow and to build amazing companies and to build amazing technology, I think there's a diversity of problems and a diversity of thoughts is going to allow us to look at these problems from different perspectives and to solve them in ways, in better ways, which we haven't done before. Last thought from you, Samarilyn. Studies show diversity is good for business. We also know that going forward, the world is going to continue to get automated. Jobs are all going to be, for the most part, tech-oriented. Black women worldwide are still at the lowest rung of the socioeconomic ladder. If we don't educate our young girls, our women, retrain people in this new tech economy, we're going to be in a, a, a very desperate situation. Sexism, racism are global beasts. They bring just too much wahala. You know wahala? It's an expression in Ghana for nonsense. Just ask Blitz the Ambassador and Gaziah Jones. Once upon a time, not long ago, in the streets of a crowd where we live life slow, there was a little boy that they called Bazaar. Had dreams of becoming the ambassador. So he studied all the tapes and he studied all the breaks. Drop stereotype, let the people get a taste. Some straight adored it, others just ignored it. Same people that's claiming hip hop was boring. It wasn't ready for the sound. I'm Jake Barretta, getting rid of these clowns. Took them all around the world, international. Sounds so militant, but it's rationale. So be boys, get your back off the wall and swing like Floyd Mayweather at the garden. Next chain to watch every athletic challenge is ready. And yes, my ghetto people want to get involved. Wala, went to na went to wala, 
on a compris yeah. Le détail sont les Willy Wonka Dans Royaume, tracé au combat Grimé pour un ministère chaud Certes de l'époque, pris en défaut Mon drapeau n'est qu'une banderole Et mon bracte est au vitriol Blady ambassadeur, un embuscage Guette leur vague parade Crade, sanction, rançon, profit, perte Dette, faire recette, net pour le G7 G8, G20, break Ceux qui font un intérêt sur le pénètre I'm rolling in, cause we ain't got nothing to lose all the rain Tired of things moving slow like I'm cold in So freedom fighters, get your backs up off the wall When you hear the call, a promo and the ambassador What you waiting for? Get involved And ultimately, what do global black women in tech continue to do and how do they do it? Well, what is it that they do? Public Enemy knows. We got to fight the powers that be. Fight the power. That's your hour. Thank you to Samara Lynn and Ethel Kofi. Thanks, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. I hear myself. Thank you to the Spin Production team, sound editor David McKeever, a.k.a. McKeever Magic, and distributor Loretta Rucker and the AAPRC. Subscribe to The Spin One on iTunes or follow us on SoundCloud. The Spin. It's your hour of global talk where smart is sexy. I'm your host, Esther just yeah. copy properly. Nope. Everybody say policy, nope. universal nope. equality, nope. responsibility, policy nope. to survive economically. Nope. Some people do it comically. Nope. Future freedom, equality. Nope. Invest your money properly. People nope. owe me your policy. Nope. Intellectual property, nope. stealing, nope. stolen, commodity, souls nope. controlling, robbery, nope. Nope. lack of commodity, clones, nope. copycats, bother me, mine on the block. Follow me, honesty, honesty, honesty. All these jokers, economy, puppets with no autonomy. Yup, it's fooling the economy. I see you looking, but you better take, take it easy. Tell your goons that they better take it easy. Here comes the rocket launcher, take it easy, take it easy, you better take it easy, too much ex mommy, take it easy, you're good with the sex, you be like, take it easy, mommy, take it easy, take it easy, you better take it easy, you moving bricks, but you better take it easy, here's a tip. You too flash. I don't tip twice, but your best friend he DT. And that dog sniffing the bag ain't lassy. And I ain't rhyme in a minute, but y'all ain't catch up. And I ain't blood on your shirt, man. That's ketchup. Picture cleft, getting a writer to give him help. I'd rather kill myself, become a ghost, and write for myself. Cause I'm the top celebrity, top celebrity, top celebrity MC. I flow for the thugs, gypsies, and hippies. Yeah, the ghetto might scroll with a nat turn of flow. Malcolm X come out, hit the crew club show. I see you.
you're looking with your better than Eddie Eddie. Eddie. Tell your goose that they better take it easy Here comes the rocket launcher Take it easy, take it easy You better take it easy Too much ex-mommy Take it easy Good with the sex you be like Take it easy Mommy, take it easy you know originals get plagiarized Majors, minors, my supervisors Leaders, climbers get scrutinized Placators, blinded, stupid guys Wicked people choose homicide Dregs of society Heathen, the neck is bogus Misleading, the nigga, nigga No reading, the antelitos Call Libra, the Chico, Chica's completing them Addiction, fiction, bleeding them Capitalism, beating them Misunderstanding, cheating them The ignorance, defeating them Loyalty is leaving them Got royalty, believing them Eyes open, deceiving them Reconciling, receiving them Reckless driving, we leaving them Matthew and you and Peter We about to reconcile Reckon, reckon, reckon we about to reconcile, we about to reconcile, we about to reconcile, reconcile, come again, reconcile, reconcile, reconciliation, we about to reconcile, tell them shit get off my style, we about to reconcile, reconciliation again, we about to reconcile, women with the men again, which I thought I wasn't coming. Yeah, right. Been in LA, few flicks, few millions. Back with the Fuji food, fighting for a few billions. Don't play villain, some boy chilling. Any DVD we boy, man, cash for me, villain. Angela, Simone, Michelle, you know them willing. Can't fight the feeling when I'm cool in the SNR. Every girl loves the ghetto superstar. Real hip hop like pinstripe leads. And I got love for my crew, like big half for C's. Pulling squeeze on these MCs. Man, I don't really want to do it. Take it easy. Looking, but you better take, take it, it easy. So you goose they better take it easy. Here comes the rocket launcher. Take it easy. Take it easy. You better take it easy. Too much ex mommy. Take it easy. Good with the sex. You be like, take it easy. Mommy, take it easy. Take it easy. You better take it easy. We got El Boogie in the house. Croswell in the house. Clef. Jerry Wonder. Yeah. Big Row, I see you in the back. Let's get this thing started. Let's stay focused, 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 focused. Oh, if, if you don't know what's going on, man, the Fuji's is back on this street. Serious thing right now. You scared yet? This program has been brought to you by the African American Public Radio Consortium, NPR Distribution, and the Public Radio Satellite System.